Well, Ed, picking up on what Liz just said about the confidence of secessionists, it would be a quick war. Why didn't they understand what they were up against? Yeah, it's a little eerie to see how confident the South is. Mm. It's not merely that they're playing defense. Oh, our rights have been infringed. They're yep. going, here's our chance. We control the world's dominant yep. commodity. King cotton. Yep. <laughs> we have a monopoly over the equivalent of, of oil yeah. of today. Yep. Yep. Our labor force has never been worth more. Slaves are worth more than all the railroads and factories and banks of the North added up. And why would we want to constantly be harangued by these Yankees about our moral failings, about our economic failings, about our political failings? If they don't like us and they just demonstrate that they don't, hell with them. Let's leave and be the fourth richest economy in the world by ourselves. And Ed, wouldn't you say that there is this assumption that when push comes to shove, they won't stop us because they've always buckled in and and rolled over in the past within the context of federal politics. We've had our way. So let's call their bluff definitively. Exactly. And here's another reason. Why would they roll over all the time? Because they need us. More than half of all exports are coming from the slave south. The entire northern economy is driven by the cottons coming out of the slave south. So not only are they morally bankrupt mm-hmm. and sort of hypocrites and blowhards, but they are under our economic heel. They just didn't think the union was really even going to fight. I mean, yeah, there was no will there. there, there was, and, and it does seem mm-hmm. on that, because there had been so many compromises, yeah. because there had not been civil war, mm-hmm. That there really might not be. I mean, I, I guess I can understand why reasonable people might think that. But the, the fact is, as, as Liz points out, other reasonable people said, you're crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you, you know, I mean, in the same debate. So it's not like they couldn't imagine it. Right. So where is the soft underbelly of the unionist that they are not being manly? Yeah. Uh, and the phrase, and I want you to strap yourselves in because this will, this will hurt your feelings. Mm. The phrase that they would use... What's the opposite of a secessionist? Not a unionist, but a submissionist. Mm. You would submit. Oh. You'd roll over for oh. the union. Yeah. And so that's what the unionists had a very hard time uh, fighting against. So, guys, did women think about this in the same terms that we've been you know, well, talking about? I would you know, say, doubting people's manhood? Yeah, I would, I would defer to Ed on this, but my guess is that women, in fact, uh, take that on in a very big way in some ways. Uh, men can waver, but uh, women are pretty sure. They're pretty clear on what a man would do if we were men. That is so much the plaint of Civil War women. How can we show our patriotism if we were in your place? We would do this. That's exactly right. And so uh, if you're going to protect me, then you're going to act in a manly way. And, of course, this is the other place the unionists are saying, honey, I am protecting <laughs> you by not going to war. But, but the thing is that there's not a manly language of compromise. What happened to the presumably manly language of compromise hmm. that had served the nation for decades. Well, yes, to the extent that we revered the fathers and their statesmanlike vision and prescience when they created this strong, more perfect union, then by all means, that was the epitome of manhood. But that's old manhood in a way. And there's a language, a subversive generational language of uh, youth rising up. And it takes the form of calling these compromisers 
and using that word compromise in the modern pejorative sense, these guys were old fogies. Yeah. And so looking back, you know, we tried so hard, historians, to try to figure out who's voting for these people, who's voting for the Republicans, who's voting for the secessionists. And the main pattern they've been able to find is that it's young men on both sides. The Republicans have this group called the Wide Awakes that are not even able to vote yet, but they're out marching and and, uh, carrying torches and things, kind of a paramilitary. And down south, it's the guys who are saying, I've been listening to this crap my whole life. Let's go. We don't want these old guys compromising our rights away one more time. The irony, of course, being the young men who are saying these things, the very ones who are going to end up dying in the trenches of the Civil War. In the momentous step which our state has taken of dissolving its connection with the government, of which we so long formed a part, it is but just that we should declare the prominent reasons which have induced our course. On January 9, Mississippi follows South Carolina out of the Union. Our position is thoroughly identified with the institution of slavery, the greatest material interest of the world. The following day, Florida follows suit. We have not acted in haste or in passion, but with the utmost deliberation and from what we regard as immeasurable necessity. Alabama goes the next day, and a few days after that, Louisiana and Texas. On February 4, representatives from all seven states meet in Montgomery, Alabama, to draw up a new constitution. Now, it's often said that the original constitution was a pro-slavery document. There was the part about slaves counting as three-fifths of a free person, and that other bit about all states having to return fugitive slaves. And the fact that it was ratified at all testifies to how much the slave states felt that it did protect them. But the Confederate Constitution took the protection of slavery to a whole new level. Here's the Confederacy's newly elected vice president, Alexander Stevens, explaining the new and improved version of the founding document. The prevailing ideas entertained by Jefferson and most of the leading statesmen at the time of the formation of the old Constitution were that the enslavement of the African was in violation of the laws of nature. It was an evil that they knew not well how to deal with. But the general opinion of the men of that day was that, somehow or other in the order of providence, the institution would be evanescent and pass away. Those ideas, however, were fundamentally wrong. They rested upon the assumption of the equality of the races. This was an error. It was a sandy foundation, and the government built upon it fell when the storm came and the wind blew. Our new government is founded upon exactly the opposite idea. Its foundations are laid. Its cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, that slavery, subordination to the superior race, is his natural and normal condition. This, our new government, is the first in the history of the world based upon this great physical, philosophical, and moral truth. So, guys, you know what's amazing to me? The word that's repeated several times in here is new. You know, Mm. we think of the defense of slavery and of race as being the oldest kind of uh, archaic attitude possible. But what he's saying, yeah, that was okay for the old-fashioned 18th Mm. century, but Mm. now in the 19th century, we know better that the Negro is not equal to the white man. 
No, that yeah, that is so absolutely right, and it's uh, because of emerging understandings among racial scientists, anthropologists, ethnologists in the 19th century about racial difference. It's because of this realistic political economy that is a sense of what makes the world turn around, and that would be cotton, which is king. This is uh, getting past the platitudes and the banalities of the Enlightenment of the founding era. All men are created equal? Hmm. I don't know about that uh, because uh, they certainly didn't practice it if they believed it, that is, the founders. And the idea that slavery would go away? Um, no. No, it so manifestly had not. It is a robust institution. So let's face the facts. You can say this is that pragmatic realist American go-go spirit. And you'll notice the very last sentence they see this as not just a continuation of something else, but the beginning yeah. of a new world order. Yeah. This, our new government, is the first yeah. in the history of the world based upon this great physical, philosophical, and moral truth. It's hard to imagine a more chilling phrase in all of American history, <laughs> that, that this could have been the truth. Yeah. It could have been the first new nation based upon the great truth as they imagined it, of black inferiority. Yeah, but Ed, that reminds us of the American founding when that same notion of being in the forefront of world history, offering a model for the rest of the world, that was very much the language of newness in uh, 1776, 1787. Well, it's lucky that we're all about the old, guys. It's all I can say after hearing this discussion, because new is really pretty dangerous. Yeah, well, you know, the underlying issue is the question of how the United States and our history is defined according to timeless values. In effect, uh, Lincoln refutes the notion of newness when he invokes the spirit of Jefferson and says, Listen, those principles of 1776 articulated in the Declaration, they are the principles that constitute our creed. This is the church we worship in, all of us. This is the rock on which this nation is built. That is, to think that the principles of the Declaration infuse the Constitution, all men are created equal, that that's foundational to how we should understand the Constitution. Well, we like to think that today. But Lincoln is really the author, if you will, of that conflation of those two great documents. It's time now for another short break. When we get back, we'll look at why so many men in Virginia, the old Dominion, were so reluctant to join up with the brand new Dominion. You're listening to a Civil War special edition of Backstory, and we'll be back in a minute. 